You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. have the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives, you are helpless. You are helpless. You will not be a witness for the Lord Jesus. You will not be able to do ministry very well. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Zechariah said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that is our power source. As you've no doubt experienced in your walk, relying on anything other than God's Spirit for strength often ends in complete disaster. As Pastor Dave will remind you in his message today, we as believers are to rely on God's Spirit each and every day, whether if it's for ministry or not. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Boy Who Would Be King. Man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outside of someone. We look at the physical. The Lord looks upon the heart. The Lord can see into your heart. He knows your heart. He knows that your heart is deceitfully wicked. He knows that. Jeremiah said, who can know it? No, the Lord knows it. He knows every act of your heart. He knows it. But we judge by appearance, clothing, where they speak. We judge them. We're ever so critical. But God knows the heart because he looks into the heart. We can tell how men look. But God can tell you what's inside a man. God sees inside the heart and knows. Man looks on the outside and we're pleased with the physical. We're very physical oriented. We're pleased with that. We're pleased with their appearance. We're pleased with their outward qualities. But God looks in the heart because he sees and knows and it is a discerner of the hearts and the thoughts and the intents. God knows. God knows. I've said this many a time. You can fool me a lot of times. But you can't fool God. You're not going to fool God. God is basically the saying, Samuel, stop operating by sight. I'll tell you when you come to the kid. I'll tell you who it is. Let's read verses 8 through 10 as the parade continues. So Jesse called Abinadad and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. So parade goes by, son after son after son comes by, and Samuel hears nothing from the Lord. The Lord doesn't want this one. The Lord doesn't want that one. In verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then Jesse said, there remains the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. This poor kid... 
was so disrespected at his own family, his father didn't even bring him out to see if Samuel would take him or if the Lord would want him. He was on the bottom rung of the family ladder. He was the shepherd. At the time, shepherds were always servants. They were always servants. He was a shepherd boy. He was the youngest. Yeah, we got this other one. There he is out there with the sheep. You know, if you want to look at him, well, be my guest. You can almost hear the disdain in Pop's voice. Youngest of eight. Youngest of eight. And number 11 says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all these young men, the youngest is there keeping the sheep? And Samuel said to him, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good looking. So look at this description we have of this young kid coming in, ruddy and bright eyes and good looking. Basically, the word ruddy almost means like he was red like Edom. It almost has the same meaning as Edom. Remember, Edom was all red. Jacob's brother, Esau, his name became Edom, but Esau was all red. There remains the youngest, this low regard that David was in his family. Right away, you see the heart of David. He's a shepherd. The Bible says tons about shepherds. The Bible is always talking about shepherds. What's interesting to me about sheep is you have to lead them or they scatter. If you don't lead sheep where they're going, they will scatter. And if one sheep runs over the cliff, all the rest of them will follow the sheep over the cliff. That's what they do. They're not the smartest animal in the pen. Okay? They like to follow each other. The shepherd must know how to take care of the sheep according to their needs. Sheep are very defenseless. They really don't have anything to fight with. So the shepherd has to protect them and the sheep depend upon the shepherd. And although David was called to be a shepherd of the nation Israel, he didn't see himself as that way. David didn't see himself as the shepherd to the nation Israel. How did David see himself? David saw himself as one of the sheep. First verse of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David saw himself as one of the sheep. This is how God chooses. God chooses the foolish things in the world to confound the wise. I'm living proof. Paul wrote that many wise are according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God often causes the most unlikely people to do his work. Just look up at the podium. Why does God do this? Why does God choose to do this this way? He wants to do it this way because he wants all to know that it's God's work and not man's doing. That's what he wants to get across to people. He wants to work in a way so people regard his servants as they regarded Samuel. They wondered at the strength of their, the secret of their strength. That's what they wondered about Samuel. They wondered at the secret of their Listen to this great quote by Alan Redpath. I love Alan Redpath. He says this, quote, You may not be intellectual or well thought of in your family circle. You may be despised by others for your faith in Christ. Perhaps you had a little share in the love of your parents like David. But remember that those who are rejected of men often become beloved of the Lord. I like that. God's choice of David shows that we don't have to quit our jobs and enter into full-time ministry to be people after God's own heart. We don't have to be famous or prominent to be people after God's own heart. 
We don't need to be respected or even liked by other people to be people after God's own heart. We don't need to have status. We don't need to have influence. We don't need to have power. We don't need to have the respect or approval of men. We don't need to have great responsibilities to be people of God's heart. All you need to be is a seeker of him. All you need to be is a seeker of him, for God rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. And you need to do a word study on the word diligent and find out what it means. It means a constant looking towards the Lord, a constant searching the Lord, a constant reading his word, drawing out of it what the Lord has to do. Diligent. It's a discipline type thing where you have to do this on a daily basis. This good-looking kid with bright eyes, kind of a reddish thing. Some of the commentary said that he had fair complexion, a very fair complexion. And in those cultures, the fairer the complexion usually meant the higher on the status level. In India, for example... The ones who are very light rule the country because they are on the high end of the chain. But the ones who are darker are on the lower end of the chain. So in this culture, it seems that way. So this young boy, this shepherd, probably came across, probably smelled like sheep poop. <laughs> he, just come out of, he just came out of the sheep fur, right? He comes across, and Samuel, and God says to Samuel, that's my man. There he is. Can you imagine Samuel? What? What? Are you kidding me? I come all the way up for this guy? Yeah. Look at 13. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. I love that. This is the one. Samuel doesn't hesitate. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Wow. Remember, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Oil always represents the Holy Spirit. So as Samuel was pouring this thing, and remember, we talked about this when they anointed Saul. It wasn't just a little sprinkle. They poured that bad boy all over him, and it came down all over him. I mean, it came all over him. That's where David says, like the dew coming down at Mount Hermon under the beer of Aaron, how oil runs down. I can imagine this beautiful picture. Samuel anointed him. David was God's choice. His name means beloved. He was the one after God's own heart. He was the boy who would be king. He was the boy who would be king. An interesting fact that David was the eighth in line. And if you do any numerology in the biblical terms, eight is always the number of new beginnings. It was a new beginning for the nation Israel. It was a start over. They had gotten a king and he had failed miserably. So he was a start over. All right? It was a start over. He was eighth in line. David would bring to Israel new life. New life. New life. Not only through the government, but through spirituality as well. Spirituality as well. Because through the lineage of David, the Messiah would come. Go back and look at your genealogies. David is on the genealogy list leading to Jesus Christ. 
Once again, we see oil being used to anoint David, the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Samuel poured it upon David. Why? Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, the servant of God is helpless. If you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives, you are helpless. You are helpless. You will not be a witness for the Lord Jesus. You will not be able to do ministry very well. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Zechariah said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that is our power source. When we accept Christ as our Savior, he comes and indwells in us. But then there is another experience. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you with the dunamis power, the dynamic power, so that you can be witnesses of Christ, so that you can live the Christian life the way God intended you to live. And if you're struggling in the Christian life, not living up to what you think God wants you to, if you're having difficulty in the Christian life, maybe, just maybe, it's because you've grieved the Holy Spirit or you quenched the Holy Spirit and you haven't come up and allowed us to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because you don't believe in it. And that's your right to believe in it. But you're missing out. You're missing out on such wonders. You're missing out on such strength and power to be in ministry. You're missing out on strength and power to be a witness of Jesus Christ to your neighbor, to your family, to anybody else. You're missing out on such power. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Are you counting on that power? Are you relying on that power? Because if you're not, the only other power you're relying on is your own strength. And we saw how far that got Saul. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear me say it time and time and time again. It's scriptural. I can show you in scripture all the way through the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, how these men were given the Holy Spirit to do various work. They didn't do the work without the Holy Spirit. They didn't do the work without the Spirit. So David has been anointed. And now he has to be prepared to be king. He's got to go through a preparation process. He's got to go a preparation process, and it's going to be 15 more years. It's going to be 15 more years before David actually ascends to the throne of Israel. 15 long, arduous, hard years. 15 years. A total of 47, 48 years from the time Saul was anointed until David becomes king. It's a long time of preparation. Long time of preparation. So we see the preparation begin in verse 14 through 23. And I'm going to read through, and then we'll go back and pick it up a little bit. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command, command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of his servants answered and said, Look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took 
a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And it was so, whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. I like the description of David, mighty man of valor. That was pretty cool. It says a distressing spirit from the Lord. If God is all good, why did he send a distressing spirit upon Saul? Well, there are two senses in which God may send us something. He may send something in an active sense, and he may send something in a passive sense. Actively, God never initiates or performs evil. God is not evil. He does not perform evil. Get that out of your head. He doesn't perform either. He's the father of lights, and there's no variation of shadow or turning. But passively, he may withdraw his hand. He may withdraw his hand from you and therefore allow the evil to come in your life without being the source of evil itself. Remember, in the Old Testament, God gave the Holy Spirit to people and then he also took it away. He could give the Holy Spirit to people and he could take it away. Obviously, the Spirit was removed from Saul. So once the Spirit is gone, a distressing spirit could come upon him. As a Christian, you cannot be possessed. You cannot be possessed by the evil one. You can be oppressed, but you cannot be possessed. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Not room enough for both of them in there. That doesn't happen. This is probably what happened to Saul. God removed his hand, took the spirit away, and then another spirit came and started hammering on Saul. Was it a consequence? Maybe. We don't know. Why did God allow it? We don't know. Was it the judge's wickedness? We don't know. doesn't say. He rebelled against the Holy Spirit's guidance. Remember back when he was anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon him too, remember? He had the Holy Spirit with him. He had God's promises that he would provide for him. He would never leave him. He would give him strength through the Spirit to do what he wanted to do. But Paul rebelled. Saul, I'm sorry. Saul rebelled. This was his sin. He clearly had the Spirit. But he rebelled. And remember what we studied last week? Rebellion was as what? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Maybe, maybe Saul said no so many times that God probably gave him over to his retrobate mind, like in Romans. You want to say no to me? Fine, say no to me. The spirit departed from him. Saul might thought he would be more free without the spirit bugging him. He didn't realize that he would even be in more bondage with a distressing spirit. But even in all this, Saul could have repented. Even in all this, Saul could have repented. He was not past the place of repentance. He was not past the place of restoration by God. It was up to him to receive God's correction and respond with a tender, repentant heart before the Lord. Just like it's up to us to come to God in a repentant heart. Paul's servant said, Saul's servant said to him, seek out a man who is a skillful player. What they were saying was, go find a man who uses music and can bring the peace of God back. Music. I could spend a month talking about music. God created all music. God created music. He gave it the ability to touch people. I don't know about you, but music has always been so powerful in my life. It's been so strong in my life. Music can be good for great good. It can be used for great good. 
or it can be used for great evil. Music has much power. It's a great tool of communication for our inner being. God wants the power of music to be used when we worship him. You read Revelations, we're going to stand at the throne of God and worship him. And worship him and worship him. We're going to worship with music and singing. We should worship God the same way. Worship should be so much more than music. We should walk in a spirit of worship, honoring God. God wants his people to worship him so God can do a work in your hearts. I don't know. Maybe you've never experienced this, but maybe you've come with a, with, a, with a heart that was heavy. Maybe you've come with a heart that was heavy, and as you're worshiping, all of a sudden something happens to your heart, and you're, and you're lifted up, and, and you're moved, and it's so wonderful as the Spirit works in you and does certain things. Worship is important. People who lead worship are important. Saul was looking for a worship leader. He was looking for someone to come and do some worship for him so he wouldn't be distressed anymore. And they found this guy, this little kid, David. It's like the priest in the Old Testament standing between God and the congregation. David came in and stood between Saul and God and played his music, and this would relieve the distressing spirit of Saul. David's ability to play music got him into the court. He became in the court guard. He, he was promoted to military service, and he wisely obeyed the will of the Lord. He started to learn all about the ins and outs of being a king. This was part of his preparation. God was preparing him. And we look at the keys to success in David's life. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him, just as the Lord is with you. If you look throughout the Bible, there are great men and great women who you will notice one thing. The Lord was with them. The Lord was with them. We have a promise from our Lord. He will never leave nor forsake us. He will always be with us, even until the end of the age. Not only is the Lord with us, but through his Holy Spirit, the Lord is in us, indwelling in us. He didn't want us to lose him. So he put us the best place he could possibly put them inside us. But he's waiting us for us to surrender our lives to his guidance, surrender our lives to his will. We must submit to his leadership. We must allow his power to come upon us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The relationship between David and Saul was based on one thing, love. Find that in 1621. Saul did not know at the time he made this little kid his armor bearer that he would one day be the king of all Israel. But when he found this out, that love was replaced by envy, was replaced by fear. Saul became quite paranoid and wanted David dead. And although Saul became David's enemy, and this is where we'll end, Saul became David's first and deadliest enemy. David never treated Saul like an enemy. He never treated Saul like a foe. He behaved very wisely. He even tried to help Saul to get over his fits of depression, but they got worse. It's a sad commentary that without God, we are all failures. Without the love of Jesus Christ, we are stuck in our sin and death. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.